Welcome to the Yoga Inspired Life podcast. I'm your host, Shayla Quinn, and together we'll go on a journey of self-discovery as we explore all of the inner workings of what it means to live an inspired life. Join me for solo episodes and conversations with special guests for real, authentic deep dives into all things yoga, wellness, self-love, mindfulness, and everything in between. If you're ready to get inspired, learn, grow, evolve, to connect, and up-level your life, then you've come to the right place. I am beyond excited that you're here, so let's dive in. Hello, hello, my sweet friend. Welcome back to the Yoga Inspired Life podcast. I am very excited to announce that my new podcasting mic came in. Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. I ordered a new mic for the podcast. I'm so excited. I feel like it's going to make the sound quality better for you guys, and that makes me so happy. I don't know if anyone has actually complained about the sound quality, but I am a perfectionist, and I've really been struggling recording the podcast since moving to New York simply because in LA I used to record in my closet, which if you're not familiar with sound technicalities, it's always good to record in kind of like a soundproofed room or a room that has maybe a lot of clothes or a big rug or something that can absorb the echo or excess sound. And in my new apartment, my beautiful new apartment, which I love, 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 love. It's literally my favorite place I've ever lived in my entire life. There's only one issue. <laughs> it's always something, isn't it? Um, no, it's not a huge issue, but I do have a really tiny closet that I quite literally cannot fit into. So that has been a little bit of an issue. And after struggling for the last six months recording and not being very pleased with the sound quality, I decided to try to get a new mic and see if that helped. And by golly, I feel like it did. Anyway, I'm rambling about the mic and you probably don't even care. So we'll move on. But just know I'm always thinking about you and I'm always thinking about ways to make my content better and make the experience for us to connect virtually better. And I'm really amped up about this new mic because I feel like it's just going to make my life easier and hopefully it will make listening to the Yoga Inspired Life podcast easier for you. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. The Yoga Inspired Life program just launched yesterday, which is so exciting. And the holiday season is in full swing. It's in full swing. And the holidays for a lot of us bring up a lot of different stuff. I think it can be a really fun, exciting, lovely time of year. And it can also be a really stressful, sad, hard, challenging time of year, depending on your circumstances. And I was thinking about how I could best serve you through this holiday season. And one thing I was thinking about was my own struggles around the holidays, just with my family dynamic. And I thought, what a perfect time to bring on one of my dear friends, Dr. Ariel Setnar who is a licensed therapist, to chat about managing stress and anxiety around the holidays. As I said, Ariel is a licensed therapist, and we originally met in LA almost seven years ago, but she has since moved to Boulder, Colorado, where she has a private practice there. And Ariel is also a yoga teacher, although she doesn't teach anymore, but she incorporates values around the mind-body connection in her work, including mindfulness, and self-compassion practices. And I just love her stance on so many different things. And I loved this conversation that I got to have with her. We talked about how to deal with tough family dynamics through the holiday season. We spoke about self-compassion, 
healthy boundaries, managing expectations, embracing where you're at in life, how to find a therapist. We discussed some of the most popular types of therapy, and we even segued into kind of chatting a little bit about making new friends as an adult. And it's just a really good, wholesome conversation between friends. Also, side note, Ariel actually recently came to New York to come and visit me, which was so, so, so fun. I vlogged the weekend that she was here, so if you want to see that, head to my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Speaking of the show notes, all of Ariel's links are in the show notes, as well as anything that was mentioned in this episode. I'm just chit-chatting your ear off. I must, I see, see, I'm very excited about this mic. I'm already more inspired to chat to you. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. I'm going to let you get into it. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Dr. Ariel Setnar. For people in my community who are not familiar with you, introduce yourself and and share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name's Ariel and I met Shayla in when I lived in Los Angeles and I was in grad school at the time. Um, I was getting my PhD in clinical psychology. Um, My internship for that program sent me to Colorado, which was very sad departing from Shayla. I know. (laughs) We've been friends for almost seven years now. Uh, Yeah. But then you come to visit and, you know, I think it was like terrible weather. I think it rained the entire time. Um, (laughs) We still had fun. But we still had fun. And, um, but I ended up uh, going to Boulder a lot during that time and I fell in love with it. And I've been here since and I've stayed. So now I um, am a licensed therapist and I have a private practice. Um, I mainly work with adults, 18 plus, um, who are typically younger adults who are struggling with anything from anxiety, depression, um, relationship or family issues, grief, um, trauma, all of those things. So uh, that's what I'm doing these days. What inspired you to get into this work? I don't think we've ever had this conversation before. So, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I, um, when I was in high school, I also grew up with a very difficult family dynamic mm-hmm. and it got to the point where I had to talk to somebody about it. Um, and I talked to the high school psychologist basically, cause I was in a really tough place And at that point I was probably about 16 and I had very low self-esteem, very low hope for myself and my future. Um, And interestingly enough, the psychologist actually knew my brother um, and my family. (laughs) So he was like, oh, you're so-and-so sister. And I was like, yep, that's me. Um, And so, you know, my brother was like failing classes and I, my escape was school. So he was like, hold on, you know, like, let me pull up your grades. And I remember the moment where he like took his glasses off and he was like, oh my gosh. He was like, what are your plans? Are you going to college? Like, you got to get out of this house. Like, you know, this needs to happen because I think, you know, he, for my brother, it was like, he had straight ass, like, there's not a ton of hope there, but for me, it was my escape. And it was, you know, I really liked school and it was my way of, um, distracting. And so he honestly changed my life. So when I went to call, I like, I had no idea that I was going to go to college. I'm a first generation college student. Um, none of my family members ever went to school. 
Um, and I, I have him to thank to this day. Um, so I kind of wanted to do the same and I worked a ton with, uh, the counseling center at San Diego state, which is where I went to school. And I loved, you know, hanging out with college students, talking about mental health. I mean, obviously we have a lot of work to do around the stigma of mental health, but that was my biggest work. And now I'm in it doing, you know, the face-to-face work. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got here. That's so cool. Yeah, you're such a natural at that though. I feel like you have such a nurturing, loving, like energy and you just hold space for people to share and, and feel comfortable. So yeah. I feel like you're in the perfect line of work. Thank you. I wanted to have you on to chat about managing stress through Mm -hmm. the holidays, because I know the holidays is a stressful time. People have, you know, tough family dynamics, myself included. And and even if it's not family that you're seeing, it's like, Mm -hmm. for some reason, the, the holidays come up and I think about the loss of the relationship with my dad and the family that I'm not in touch with. And it's just like, it's hard to balance the emotions of the past. And then it's also tough to manage stress. I get a lot of DMS from people in my community who ask me like how to deal with family that you have to see, right? Like for me, I've cut certain family members out of my life over time, you know, because that was the best thing for me to do. But I know some people either are not there yet, or it's not, they're not able to do that. So let's chat a little bit about managing stress around the holidays as we approach this season. What are some tips or what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So, you know, I think what, what you just said about, okay, you know, everyone's situation is different. So you might be in a situation where you have no family whatsoever. You might be in a situation where you have family, but you're distancing yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you're in a situation where you have family and you have no choice, but to not distance yourself, yeah. right? You said, um, family that you have to see. Mm-hmm. So I think there are probably tips for all of the categories. Um, and I would say, you know, if you're in, if, if you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of people around you during the holidays, um, maybe not necessarily even by choice, that's where focusing on some sort of self-compassion practice during that time is going to be the best thing you can possibly do. Um, depending on what your what kind of needs you have around um, relationships, if you really don't have any relationships around you, focusing on that relationship with yourself as cliche as I'm sure it sounds, Um, but that means like really diving into spending time with yourself, giving yourself a gift, taking yourself out on a date, um, going and doing the holiday things where, yeah, it's going to be a little bit painful seeing everyone with their families out and about, but having this sort of trust and confidence with yourself that, um, that you're good enough for yourself. Right. And that's, that's essentially all you can really do in that time. And, and also like you know, if you do have other people in your life that maybe aren't necessarily family, maybe there are friends who, um, you can reach out to and and build on those connections and share those experiences with, even if they're just an acquaintance, right. It's like, this is the time to maybe then put, put yourself out there. Cause mm-hmm. you are not, you are genuinely not alone. There are a lot of people who feel alone, who, you know, could be right around the corner waiting to connect with you. That's so Uh, true. Don't let social media trick you. Not everybody's 
holidays are perfect. That is the biggest trap for me is I'll go on and I'm like, I'm all alone. And it's like, no, like I'm sh- no one's going on and being like, I'm alone. So the people that aren't, <laughs> they're alone. You know, there are people right. that are alone. Absolutely. That's a great tip. Yes. Anytime you ever feel alone, it's like you're 100% not alone. And that is what self-compassion is about, right? It's about mm-hmm. common humanity that you, we are human beings who suffer and we all suffer in different ways, but also in similar ways. Um, so if you are, so then it's different if you're the type of person who's like, wow, I have to spend time with family that I really dislike being around, who I really do not get along with, who I really have a hard time let's say setting boundaries around. And I think like my biggest tips for that would probably be to make sure you have little tiny ways of setting boundaries and taking space. So that might mean, I don't know, something like, okay, let's say there's a big dinner happening. Um, Knowing that, I don't know, let's say it turns into an hour, two hour, three hour dinner, being okay with, okay, I'm going to step out for a second. Uh, You know, I have to go to the bathroom or, uh, and maybe in the bathroom or in your room or wherever you can go, you know, not making it so obvious that, that you're trying to escape, but taking that time to also then do some sort of a self-compassion practice, a breathing exercise, um, you know, however you feel best with receiving. That's where it's like, I say right now, start like diving into the self-compassion practices to figure out what really works for you. Because mm-hmm. everyone that I work on, everyone that I work with on self-compassion practices, you just never know what's going to work for you. And that to me is the same for mindfulness practices. You never know what's going to work for you. There's so many different types of practices that you can do, um, that it's nice to just have one, two, or three in your like toolbox to go to, um, versus, wow, there's so many different things I can do. I'm so overwhelmed. Um, you know, and just have one. So, preparing yourself to know what feels good, what feels like it soothes you. So it's, it's all about self-soothing. Can you give us five examples of self-compassion practices? I'm sure sure there's a lot more, but just for people, just to give people an idea. Absolutely. So one example is, you know, my absolute favorite go-to is this uh, self-compassion practice um, by Dr. Kristen Neff. She's like the self-compassion guru. Um, It's called soften, soothe, and allow. And basically you start to breathe and then you start to, you know, just getting into a mindfulness uh, position, paying attention to your breath and the steps are soften, soothe and allow. So essentially you're trying to think of, okay, what's the thing that's causing a lot of pain right now? What am I stressed about? And the first thing you do is softening with your breath. So seeing if there's a place in your body, because I'm a huge believer in mind, body, obviously mind, you know, uh, body keeps the score. So mm-hmm. paying attention to, okay, whatever pain you're experiencing, emotional pain, where do you actually feel it in your body? So for some people, it might be in their head or their throat or their shoulders or their chest or their stomach or wherever. And then it's like, okay, tune into that body part. Maybe there's multiple, but let's start with one. And just with every exhale, soften that body part. Um, and then the next step is to soothe. So what can you do to soothe some people that might be physical touch? If your belly is the root cause of pain here, um, placing your hand on your belly while you take those breaths and then allow is how do you then take the space to be okay with feeling the way that you feel, not trying to change it, not trying to judge yourself that you're mindfully accepting and allowing 
yourself the space to feel this pain. So by doing that, you are letting go of like the, the, the tension that we tend to hold in our bodies. And it's like, don't feel this way. You get so tense and the soft and soothe allows like, ah, like a, a really deep breath of relief to just give yourself the space to feel what you're feeling. Mm. Um, again, you can easily do this in five minutes in the bathroom, in a room, wherever, if you're like, wow, I've been holding on to all this tension around my family for the last hour. Cause they said something really mean to me go to the bathroom, give yourself that exercise. And as a matter of fact, um, and maybe you can link this somewhere. I'm not sure entirely how it works, but Kristen Neff has, um, I think it's like self-compassion.org or something like that. Um, the recordings for these. Practices. Oh, amazing. I'll, I'll link this as well as your website and handles and everything in the show notes, you guys, if you want to connect with Ariel, but yeah, I will link that in the show notes. That's amazing. I love that. So that's one. Um, another is just, um, coming up with a positive affirmation of some sort that you know that works for you. So what's your core Mm -hmm. belief that you have about yourself that always gets in the way? So for some, it might be something along the lines of, oh, I don't know, I'm unlovable, or I'm not good enough, or I'm going to be alone forever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So identify what is the core belief or thought, negative thought that you have about yourself that kind of has a theme in your life and find a way to figure out, okay, when I think about that, if I think about the words, I'm not good enough, what is it that I desire to hear? Maybe it's from somebody else, but if someone could tell me something that could be so helpful in that moment, what would that be? And if it's something along the lines of like, you are doing the best you can, and I'm so proud of you, then say that to yourself, breathe it in, take it in, inhale it in into a mindfulness practice of like, okay, I'm so proud of you. You're doing the best you can, right? Like saying it to yourself, because why not tell ourselves the things that we want to hear from other people? We should be able to treat ourselves um, just as well as anyone else can treat us. Yes. Yeah. So, you got to be your own hype girl sometimes. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I don't know that that was five of them, but there's just that's two length. good ones, but those are great examples that at yeah. least gives us some ideas of things we can do. Or you even had mentioned earlier about just like even a pranayama practice or tapping into the breath. Yeah. Go guys. When I used to work in bottle service, it's not about family, but I was so miserable working in yes. nightlife and I would go to the bathroom once every hour, I'm not kidding. I'd be like, I have a small bladder, but I would go in there and yeah, sometimes I would use the restroom, but most of the time I would literally sit on the toilet and put a seat cover down and sit in my outfit. Like it's sit down and just breathe and take a moment of silence. I'm like, and find, you know, what? hit the reset button. Yes. And another tip is like, maybe find ways to essentially like pre-plan for being able to step away. So my favorite one, you know, if I need to take space is like, okay, if I have my dogs with me, it's like, oh, I have, they have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, yes. they need an hour long walk <laughs> yes. or I, you know, so my dog's getting a little antsy or something along those lines, finding some way to, um, have a plan in advance. Maybe, you know, it's sort of like when someone goes on a date with someone for the first time, it's like, call, I'm going to text you and you call me if you suddenly need yes, something. Yes. If you need it, you know, have a friend say like, Hey, I want to FaceTime you. Or I want you to FaceTime me when I'm in the middle of dinner, because I'm really already wanting to escape. Um, 
So I think, you know, taking space, finding ways to be self-compassionate. Um, but I think another thing that I, this one's hard. This one's hard because I think what happens when let's say we're at a dinner with family and we absolutely do not get along with someone, or we just are always in disagreement of some sort is, and this is honestly for ourselves. It sounds like it's for them, but it really is for ourselves is having compassion for that person. It's like, oh, this is so right. hard in the moment. I know. <laughs> but you're so but right. It, but it is actually an act of self love because mm-hmm. if we sit there and we're just like, oh my God, this person has no idea what they're talking about. They're so close minded, which may perhaps, perhaps they might be, they may be. But the, the question is, what's going to be helpful for you in this moment? Like, you shouldn't have to suffer in this. So try to have some compassion, mm-hmm. right? And try to not allow whatever words, you know, a family member is saying get to you. And again, yes, that's a really difficult thing to do, but that's where it's setting boundaries around. Maybe it's just as simple as saying, you know, not getting to a full-blown argument, but just standing up for yourself and saying, huh, that's an interesting perspective you have. Um, but I do disagree. And I'm, I'm not going to go into why I disagree, but I just want you to know that I disagree. Um, so anywho, change of subject, right? Or- you know what? You just said that. And that kind of triggered something in my mind in a good way, because I feel like oftentimes we hear the word boundaries and we think it's like something that we need to exert and like share, like I'm setting a boundary. Um, Lisa, you can't talk to me, but like, sometimes you can actually set a boundary within yourself about what you're going to allow to get you revved up. Exactly. Like that's an interesting idea. Boundaries can be all sorts of different ways, physical, emotional. Right. And so I'm not going to give away my power in this situation, or I'm not going to engage with this. Like, and you, that's a deal you can make with yourself. Like, I love that. Like, I don't need to win in a debate with, you know, my father-in-law or something like that, right? Where it's sort of like, I can let them say their opinions and I know that I strongly stand in what I believe. And I, you know, I've obviously it's like, it it can get a little tricky with things like politics, (laughs) right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a whole other subject, but I think. I think if it's also not necessarily about agreement or disagreement, but maybe it's about blatant disrespect, mm-hmm. that one is a little bit more challenging because I, you know, that one's hard because yeah, I don't necessarily want to encourage someone to just tolerate someone bullying them. Um, but I, what I might encourage someone to do is again, take space, but also, you know, depending on timing, um, being able to say like, wow, ouch, that's not very nice. That hurt my feelings. Um, but again, you know, I think there's so many considerations here too, right? Like about where, what someone's background looks like. You also don't want to put yourself in a potentially dangerous situation. So obviously like the, the advice I'm giving is, um, not going to be applicable to every single family. Of course, of course. There are cultural backgrounds, that have certain expectations for how things should be, what kind of res- what respect looks like with parents and other family members. Um, so there's a lot to consider there. Um, but I would just say, like, generally looking that and looking at ways to find space um, and ways to give yourself self compassion because those, well, I guess someone could take space away from you, but you can't 
take away someone, someone cannot not let you be self-compassionate, right? Um, that's something that you get to have for yourself. That's private. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what I think should mainly be focused on. You said you um, mentioned expectations and that kind of inspired my next question, which is how can we manage our expectations? Because I feel like oftentimes I have these high expectations and hopes for how the holidays are going to go. It's going to be amazing. We're going to like have this great time. And then something happens and I'm completely deflated and let down and I'm disappointed and I'm, it's heartbreaking and sad. And I'm like, Oh, everybody else is Christmas is great. Mine's terrible or whatever it is, you know? And I'm like, or I'm all alone. And I had to leave because it was a big blowout or whatever. Or even if it's um, even if you're going around a big family and you still feel like your expectations are, are um, not met. How, how can we manage our expectations and not create more suffering for ourselves? Well, here's the thing. I, I would say if you know that there may likely be some sort of conflict, I'd say kind of accept that that's a possibility that can happen, right? That yes, it would be nice, but no family's perfect. Right. And I think what you said, which is really important is you said the phrase like, Oh, just, you know, everyone else's family, um, seems to be having a great, you know, holiday. And I think, again, what's interesting about that is, um, the idea of a highlight reel, right. Where Mm -hmm. nobody's sharing about their family drama. No, my cousin just did blah, blah, blah. And my story is now I never want to talk. You're so right. You're so right. right. And it's so, it is, I actually like, I can almost guarantee you, uh, I wish I could do research around this, but I almost wonder what the statistic is like. I know what you're going to say. And I'm (laughs) so with you go say it, but I agree. I'm dying. How many many families go without conflict of any sort during the holidays? I would, I would venture to guess if we really did did this research, every (laughs) single family has some sort of drama on a holiday, even if it's calm. I mean, even the families where it's like, oh, wow, everything seems pretty calm. It's like, well, it could be that everyone's just really biting their tongues here. (laughs) Totally, (laughs) Everyone's like, well, you know, let's all kind of slip on some eggshells because we don't want to cause conflict. So true. If there's no conflict, it's because everyone's avoiding conflict um, in some way. Right. I don't know. You know, (laughs) I agree. No, I agree. Families out there. But I think that there are, and I don't mean huge conflict, right? There might just be like some slight discomforts, you know, for example, you know, like I, you know, my partner's family is like the most lovely, like pretty much he hasn't had too much of a a difficult life. And like, I grew up with massive trauma and like my definition of family and holidays has always been a little bit, um, you know, different and like my issue is like, wow, how do I go into like a family who's extremely loving? Like I'm really uncomfortable with all the affection and like the positive words and how do I accept? So I'm even talking about like, not necessarily, you know, face-to-face conflict, but there may be some like internal silent conflict happening Um, in, in many different ways. Right. Like I, I, you know, I've worked with people who are like, okay, like I, you know, I just recently went through a breakup and it's going to feel weird, you know, after I've been with them for years and 
now, you know, my holidays are going to look different and maybe I don't necessarily have conflict with a family member, but they're having some sort of conflict within themselves where it feels different and lonely in a, in a very different way than people might think. So yeah. that's what I'm saying, you know, nobody is alone in that like holidays really are not perfect for everyone. There's always something going on, some sort of shift. And again, if you are alone and you don't actually have family members or you're, you know, working on setting boundaries and, and embracing that alone time, I would say trying to figure out what you like, what feels meaningful to you around the holidays and making it your own. Maybe it's not about, you know, having a meal or having presents or anything like that. Um, it doesn't have to look a certain way, right? Like it doesn't have yeah. to be traditional that you can make your own traditions. Yeah. And you know, the reality that everybody is going through conflict and suffering to some degree all the time, not even just through the holidays, but all the time exactly. should be comforting you know, yes. remind yourself that you're not alone in this. I think that's where we get, we spiral down even further it's because Absolutely. we think we're the only ones like going through this, but it's, you're so right. It's, yeah. it's not something that everybody doesn't go through. <laughs> right. Right. And I think things are probably also, I'd say maybe a little bit last year, this was happening, but especially this year with having the pandemic um, over the last couple of years, I think there was a lot of probably differences in opinions around isolating and, you know, taking space yes. and things like that. And maybe this is the first year where all the family's coming together again. Right. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't maybe perhaps last year or, you know, knock on wood, the pandemic's not trying to, you know, attack again, but you know, <laughs> your, your face, I'm like, um, Oh no. <laughs> but with that, it comes also the lesson of, yeah, it, it honestly may be overwhelming. And I do think what I have seen a lot over the last year or two has been people feeling like, I don't know that I even know how to have conversations with people again. <laughs> like mm. I don't know how to connect with people the way that I did like before the pandemic, because I, took so much time alone and, and, you know, took a lot of introvert time that I kind of have to remind myself how to do things like dating and talking to family members and hanging out with friends who maybe I don't have as much energy for that, you know, anymore, but, and, and that's okay to like change. Right. And yeah. so I think being able to also listen to what you need during that time. Cause you might be surprised, um, what kind of boundaries you do need. So yeah, that's really, really helpful. So many things uh -huh. going through my mind. I'm like, hmm, which direction should I take this? <laughs> yeah. That's also great. You know, something that I keep coming back to as we're chatting about this is we've talked about self-compassion and yeah, worthiness and being enough on your own, you know, I think that that can kind of tie into any family situation, whether you have family or don't have family through the holidays or whatever it is, it kind of all comes back to validating and self-soothing and all mm -hmm. within yourself, you know, yeah. and this can be really challenging for people, myself included, you know, to be enough mm -hmm. on your own. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially as a woman in my thirties, you know, it's like the, the first question is, Oh, you're not married. Oh, where's your husband? Oh, you don't, do you not want to have kids? Oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, or like, Oh, do you, you don't have a big family. It's like, it's like this constant, uh, discussion around like making my loneliness or my being alone an issue. 
Right. And I, I get a lot of messages about this, about, mm-hmm. I feel like I need a relationship and I need this and I need that. And like this constant struggle with being enough on our own, you know, yes. and you know mm-hmm. me for years now. And it's like, I have been so happy and independent and this is what yeah. I wanted. But recently I've come to this point where I'm like, yeah, I do want to be in relationship. I do want to strengthen my relationships with the people that I deeply love and care about, you know, and I'm having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think interesting about that is, you know, coming from, I also had a period of my life where I was like strong, independent woman, don't need no man type. (laughs) And honestly, right before I met my partner, I had made this like decision in my mind. I was like, I'm going to be um, a single mom. And I'm just, I want a child and I don't need, you know, someone to be with me to have a child and yeah. give Yes. That sounds ignorant, but I did practically raise my brother and nanny my entire life. So I did have an idea of what a, having a child, totally, would, totally. not to sound totally ignorant to that. I know that that would be really difficult, but the reality is that yes, you're saying like, I want a relationship. And to me, it was like, you know, there's only one thing that would really change for me. Like if I'm going to date, um, and change my mind about having a partner, like there has, there are going to be basically some certain standards that would change my mind for that. And of course, like my, my partner ended up meeting all of those because we met several weeks after I made that mental decision. Um, but I think that what's hard is we are human beings who, crave connection who not, not even just crave, we need connection. We need, Mm. we do actually need relationships, but the thing is we don't have to have a romantic relationship. Um, we absolutely need connections in our life. So when people say, you know, I'm, I just moved to a new city and I don't know anyone. Absolutely. Of course they're going to struggle, because we do need connection. Um, we thrive on our relationships and we're human beings. And, and that's why I think the p- pandemic itself was pretty interesting. Um, but I also think that there are ways to embrace the moment that you have and what you're not in one, yeah. um, because who knows how long that'll be, right? Like, you don't know who knows could be 10 years of solitude could be two months. Who knows? Yeah. Um, regardless, you might as well embrace it for what it is. And my tip for, especially for people who let's say, um, just recently went through a breakup or something along those lines, and they're trying to reconnect with themselves is, um, you know, go take yourself out to, um, a cafe or a dinner or something where you're likely to be surrounded by people who are on dates or with family members. And I'm not saying go sit at the bar. Like I'm saying, get a table for one, say, I would like a table for one and to sit there without your phone in your face, really working on how do I just keep my phone down face down and just enjoy this environment of myself. Yeah. Um, of just be on a date with myself. How do I get comfortable? Because what happens is we then get uncomfortable. We start to look on our phones a little bit, um, being okay with like sitting at a table by yourself and eventually, yeah, like obviously maybe start going to, you know, if you want to sit at the bar, because that's where you, then you might talk to the bartender or something. If that's what you're into, that's always an option. 
Um, but I would challenge everyone to just see what it's like, because what comes up during that time is going to be really important. So maybe you start to journal about it in that moment while you're sitting there, what thoughts are happening? Why are you uncomfortable? And how do you get to a place of being comfortable with that? I just thinking about this, it gives me butterflies. I started doing this when I moved to New York and sitting at a front table mm-hmm. first couple times I'd bring a book just so I would have something to do. Cause I was yeah. like, I'm not going to look at my phone, but I'm like, I'm still kind of looking at something cause I'm reading, but wow. you get butterflies. It's uncomfortable. It's like, do I love, love, love it? No, I don't love it. I'd love to go with somebody else, you know, but <laughs> of course. I feel so liberated after. Absolutely. And there's, there's this like a uh, shift in, in your own energy, at least for myself, where I'm like uncomfortable, I'm self-conscious and then I'm sinking into it and I'm sitting into it. And then I'm like, ah, <laughs> and then I'm signing the check and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm a badass, <laughs> you know? It. And it's like, towards the end, and then you leave and you're like, I can do anything. It's like, it's really yeah. such a seemingly silly thing, but it really oh, is yeah. so empowering. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I will say too, is like, again, if you're thinking, wow, I, you know, I just am lacking in a romantic relationship, create and expand your friendship circle, right? Like just focus on that for that time being. And I get, yes, some people are like, well, I have a timeline and I'm a certain age. And, you know, I think I do have a belief that as long as you are trying to search and like try to grasp at something, that to me is almost like if we think about it in a metaphorical way that I usually talk with my clients about this concept called acceptance and commitment therapy, um, is that if you're in a tug of war, right? Like let's say the other side is, um, like loneliness, right. And you're in this tug of war, your hands are going to be like bleeding at some point, right. Or you're like, you're, Mm. you're really suffering as long as you're hanging onto that rope and fighting and trying to make, yourself win over this idea of like, let's say loneliness or trying to win over like a relationship of some sort. So it's almost like, imagine what happens if you put down the rope and you're like, I'm letting this go. I do. I don't want to suffer in this anymore because what happens for some people is they start to question like who they are, their value, their self-worth. Um, if they haven't been in a relationship by a certain age, um, And I think that's, that it's also just changing a lot that, you know, I think it's interesting that we have these expectations around what we should or shouldn't be doing with our lives, but that looks different for everyone. And you know what I mean? It's sort of like, I think it's also okay if someone's like, I don't want a partner or a child, or I just, you know, want to be who I am and on my own. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, as long as you have some sort of circle of people in your life, right. Whether yeah. that's friends, you, you know, even if you keep your circle small, but I would say again, when it comes to, um, expanding your circle, I don't, I think it's, it's like, it's time to try to expand in ways that maybe you have doing things that you haven't done before. 
Um, one thing that I have personally found to be very successful where I am, because I came to Boulder, not knowing a single person, um, this isn't an advertisement by any means. Um, but I used Bumble BFF. Um, and honestly, I found some pretty good friends through that. And even though it's like, oh, that's lame. That's, you know, it's almost like a social media channel or like an, but it's not like you and I honestly met from social media. You're one of my best friends. We've been friends for closer to a decade than not. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. And especially at our age, it's so hard to make friends. Like, yes. you know, go do Bumble BFF, do like trivia nights, go to like random events. You know, there are all these brands that hold like free yoga classes, put yourself out there and go and do things and not have to feel like you have to bring somebody. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's-, that's really good advice. And I think too, this can even be tied into what we were talking about in the beginning of this conversation of like dropping the way you think things need to look Yes, the way you think your holidays need to look the way you think your life needs to look and trust that as far as, you know, dating relationships, it's like, you're on your own path. And if you don't want kids or you're not ready for partnership, you don't have to do it. Exactly. And if you want it and it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. It just hasn't happened yet. And like, exactly right. Like letting it on the road for just anything either. Oh yeah. And the best thing we can do is to pour into ourselves, you know, and, and see how we can fulfill that, um, fulfill those needs within ourselves and with with our other friendships and relationships. So So you have a private practice. Mm -hmm. Are you accepting new clients or are you full right now? So, you know, interestingly, just in case someone listening, if they're really resonating (laughs) with what you're speaking about, I am technically full. However, that, you know, sometimes that shifts a lot and it's funny. I just became full in the last few weeks because fall and holidays and all of those things. There you go. Uh, But I am, you know, I, although like I'm a therapist and technically I can only practice in the state of Colorado. Oh, I I didn't even think about that. But I do provide basically, um, coaching services around self-compassion. So if you're like, wow, I really want to get, some in-depth work around self-compassion. I've done that. I've run, um, a women's self-compassion group. And if I get enough, you know, reach outs, I might do it in a group setting I think is really powerful and has been. Oh, definitely. Um, so I think, yeah, I, um, I can always make room for one or two more because, you know, I have sometimes <laughs> trouble saying no. So, you know, if someone really wants, um, that kind of support over the next few months, I yeah. absolutely make room for that. And if somebody is listening and they're like, wow, I really would like to try to find a therapist, what advice would you give to them as far as finding one? Cause that sometimes is half the battle. It's hard. It's so hard. Like dating. (laughs) 100%. And what I was going to say is therapy is only going to be helpful if you really feel good with your therapist. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, you're not going to feel good with every single therapist that you come across. And it is kind of like dating and you do want to, you know, uh, try a few out, or maybe the first one you try feels really good and that's okay. Um, but I think, you know, looking on search engines such as like psychologytoday.com, um, that's where most therapists are um, uh, listed. 
But I think also not being afraid to perhaps like ask some family or friends if they know anyone, because, you know, being able to get referred by someone who already has like such a good recommendation from someone is always nice. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. And I, I, and I can go into a whole thing about this too, but there's also different types of therapy, right? It depends on what you need and what you're looking for. Um, what I'm, are the couple different main types of therapy? I know there's talk yeah. therapy, right? Yes. 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 So that's called like psychodynamic or psychoanalytic therapy. And that is like, you know, I think everyone is different and I think there's something very unique about psychoanalytic psychodynamic therapy. But if you're, you know, I get a lot of clients who are sort of, who come in, they're like, you know, I just, I tried talk therapy and it wasn't helpful for me because I, I will just keep talking and, you know, I will feel like I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, as of lately, there's been a ton of research coming out. They call it new wave therapy. Um, so things such as cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is both of what I do, um, dialectical behavioral therapy, things like that, which are basically evidence-based and every therapist is different, but I consider myself pretty active, um, in that, you know, if someone tells me what their goals are for, th are for therapy, I like to lean between being supportive of them, but also challenging them. Um, and I like to kind of give them things to work on outside of therapy, um, yeah. because I think, yeah, you can go to therapy every week. Um, but if you're not doing anything outside of that to work on it, um, then, you know, it may not, I didn't really know when I've had that in the past, I'm like, okay, it's mm -hmm. like, it ends. And I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> I guess I feel a little lighter. Cause I like, because you like trauma dumped on you for an hour, but right, like, right. I don't really have any tools and I'm nowhere closer exactly. to like Yes. Uh, clarity or whatever. Exactly. So I, I myself am like all about giving tools, um, but every therapist is different. So I would say if you're the type of person who is saying like, I just really need a space to be listened to, um, then go for psychodynamic or psychoanalytic therapy. If you're the mm -hmm. kind of person who's like, I just really need to take action on my life. Um, and I need to, I have like specific things that I can work on tools. Um, then I would go for someone who's under like the CBT umbrella. Um, yeah. What do you think about better help and, and things like these companies we hear so much about, you know, that one's a hard one for me because of course, to me, like any sort of mental health support is better than none. Yeah. But I think it can be really difficult when it's like, oh, you can like text a therapist or like, yeah. like a brief session. Like my true belief is therapy is all about the relationship. That's what makes it most successful. Like you are in fact building a relationship with your therapist in some type of way. Um, mm -hmm. It is you know, obviously like there are much more boundaries around the therapist, but you're creating a space of like empathy and warmth and, and, and trust. Yeah. Trust that yeah. they don't have elsewhere in their life. And it's really hard to do that with a one-off therapist, you know, online or something along those lines. So yeah, they might be able to give you like a few tools to work on. Um, but if you really want the benefits of therapy, I do recommend like a longer term, like somebody that you go to, um, like once a week or every other week. Um, and I know that sometimes it can be really hard to access. It can be financially, you know, difficult. Um, but you know, to me, it's an, it's, it's, it's the best investment you can possibly, um, make for yourself. If you are struggling with your mental health, there is nothing, there is nothing more valuable than, 
being able to ask for help and receiving help. Um, but again, I do hope that that everyone can have more access to therapy in the ways that they need it. Um, yeah, I think again, better help. It's like, if that's the only thing that someone can access, then so be it. Yeah. I'm a strong believer in, in, you know, get someone that you can solidly re- rely on. I'm also saying this with, I, you know, I don't know a ton about better help. Yeah, I've never used it either. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how it works. Um, but if there are, if someone is wanting to use those, I would recommend if there's a way to consistently see somebody. Yeah. As long as that's happening. Cause I think they have been good about making sure that the people that are working with them are licensed. And that's the most important thing because unfortunately there's a lot of people out there who pretend to be uh, therapists and what, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people out there pretending to be a lot of different things. A lot of let me things. Tell you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I would well, say dating apps. I'm telling you what, <laughs> pretending to be emotionally available. Exactly. So, you know, do the research. Um, I would say as long as it says that they have a license of some sort, whether it's a licensed clinical social worker, licensed marriage and family therapist, a licensed psychologist, there's all sorts of different therapists. Um, as long as there's some sort of a license or pre-licensed is also fine, but I think it's very easy. There's this thing called a registered psychotherapist, um, here in Boulder and Basically, you don't need a whole lot of anything, maybe like a bachelor's or something. So anywho, that's just, yeah. It's hard when you've done so many, so many, so many, so many, so many years of yeah. school yeah. and practice and work and yeah. And yeah. 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 If there was a book that you would recommend everybody okay. read, what's, yes. what would be, you're my reading buddy. I know you love reading too. What, what, what recommendation hard. would you give? It's hard because there are so many, or give a couple, if you can't think of one, <laughs> so many that are good. Um, Ooh, I think I would probably say anything by Kristen Neff, honestly, is probably going to be a good move. If you're trying to genuinely go into the self-compassion route and wanting to know more about it, mm. um, I always recommend the book, The Body Keeps the Score, because I think it goes really well in supplementing any self-compassion work, because um, especially if you were the type of person who, who has experienced any trauma in the past, like our bodies know, and that's why self-compassion, especially like the self-soothing portion is really important um, because we have to, like, I'm the kind of person too, where it's sort of it's easy for me to be like, you know, I don't really have a ton of thoughts, but wow, my body's really uncomfortable right now. Clearly. Do you remember when my shoulders were doing that crazy stuff? <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone's like, oh, you must have injured yourself. Like my shoulder yeah. would be two or three inches off and I couldn't turn my head. And then we got to the root of it, which was like repressed trauma, <laughs> like PTSD yes. that I wasn't expressing. And uh, anytime I started to experience, it just happened to me recently. Yeah. Towards the end of that relationship yeah. before it, it dissipated. That's I mean, my shoulders were messed up and I was like, wow, this hasn't happened to me in so long. Yeah. The body yes. does keep score. Absolutely. <laughs> such so a that's good book. It's like, yeah, being able to, so it's sort of like body keeps the score, be like informational. And then the self-compassion where it can be, okay, now what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. Um, given all of that. So, yeah. So, so those are two, um, you know, I'm really bad at memorizing book names. I have some on my website. I have recommended oh, my website. So refer to that for sure. And that link is in the show mm-hmm. notes. Yes. And there's also, I also have a few guided, um, 
mindfulness practices on my website as well. So. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Yoga Inspired Life podcast. I hope you got something valuable from it and feel empowered to take inspired action. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending time with me today. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I loved creating it, then please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know of anyone that would benefit from the podcast, I would love it if you would share it with them. I always say that we rise by lifting others, and this is a totally independent podcast, so every little bit of support truly means so much to me. If you're looking for more, let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at Shayla Quinn. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you next week.